Hello and welcome back to 18 Year Old's Guide to True Crime. My name is Haruka and I am your host. For today's episode, we will be talking about the case of the Hungerford Massacre. Before the case officially begins, I just want to explain what a massacre is, because even though I love horror films and true crime, during the time when I was researching this case, I wasn't even sure what a massacre was. But according to the Oxford English Dictionary, a massacre in its noun form is, quote, an indiscriminate and brutal slaughter of many people, end quote. And in its noun form, a massacre is when someone, quote, deliberately and brutally kills many people, end quote. Michael Ryan was born on the 18th of May 1960, which makes him a Taurus. People who fall under the Taurus astrological sign are described as, according to HowStuffWorks.com, quote, these individuals are temperamental and lovable. He was born at Seven Eight Hospital in Marlborough, Wiltshire, to Alfred and Dorothy Ryan, and was an only child. Michael's father, Alfred, worked with the local government as a building inspector, whereas his mum worked as a school dinner lady before leaving work as a waitress at Elcott Park Hotel. Michael Ryan grew up in Southview, Hungerford, with his parents. The members of his family described him as being quiet, bad-tempered, slash-sulky and self-centred. His favourite toy was Action Man, which, if you didn't know what that is, Action Man is a male toy doll that is typically in some sort of uniform, similar to a G.I. Joe doll. When Ryan was a child, he was small for his age, which he got bullied for. Instead of sticking up for himself, he chose to avoid other children. After struggling throughout his education career, he decided to drop out at age 16 after finding out he does not have a knack for contract work, which is what he originally planned to do. Instead, he chose to become a caretaker at an all-girls school. All for a while, his mum paid for everything his heart desired, including his first ever gun, which was an air rifle. In the UK, you have to be 18 to buy any sort of firearm, but in some situations, someone who is under the age of 18 may use a firearm. Anyway, once he was old enough, Michael Ryan began to expand his collection of guns, proudly showing it off via a glass case that lived in his bedroom. Something he also did was lie a lot. According to crimeinvestigation.co.uk, quote, he told people he had served in the 2nd Parachute Regiment of the British Armed Forces, that he was getting married and that he owned a gun shop, end quote. If someone didn't believe his lies, Michael would get extremely angry to the point where his mother would have to confirm Michael's lies, in turn lying as well. Michael was obsessed with the military, taking any chance he got to get anything and everything he could. The list included army jackets, survival gear and masks. He even somehow convinced the police to give him a license for more powerful guns, which they granted due to him having no record of mental health issues and no criminal history. However, they did tell him to install a sharp steel cabinet where he could safely lock away his weapons. His life changed for worse in 1985 when his father, Alfred, died because of cancer. This resulted in Michael becoming even more distanced from people, eventually losing his job. A few months before he went on to commit the massacre, he joined a club in Wiltshire called the Tunnel and Rifle and Pistol Club, where he spent a lot of his time. The manager even saying Michael was, quote, a very good shot, end quote. On August 19th, 1987, Michael, who was now 27, 
went to a secluded area of Savernake Forest where he found 33-year-old Susan Godfrey who was there with her two children, Hannah 4 and James 2. The three of them were having a picnic completely unaware of the man who was spying on them, waiting for the perfect time to strike. After the family of three was done with their picnic, they began to pack it away when Ryan made his way over. A 9mm Beretta pistol in hand, pointing it at Susan Godfrey, demanding her to put her children in for seats in the car, which she did, telling her children to stay put and she would be back soon. Ryan then ordered Susan to follow him, and so the two of them set off walking deeper into the woods, where Michael Ryan shot her 13 times before he left Susan's body and returned to the parking area where his car was parked, next to Susan's where her children were still waiting for their mother to return. After a while of waiting for their mum to return, Susan's elder child Hannah undid both her brothers and her seatbelt and began wandering around looking for the mother, when they were spotted by another park visitor called Myra Rose, who at first did not believe the children when they told her the mother had been shot, but agreed to help both of Susan's children find their mother. While this was going on, a police officer discovered the empty car that belonged to Susan Godfrey, so he of course began to investigate, later finding her body 250 feet away from her car. Susan was found fully clothed, her body littered with bullets. Michael Ryan made his way to a nearby petrol station, where he filled up his car along with a five-litre can while being watched by the petrol owner's wife, as she served another customer. Michael Ryan got a semi-automatic rifle and aimed the gun at Mrs. Dean, who ducked below her counter, dodging the bullet as it pierced the safety glass, along with ricocheting through the shop behind her. He then stormed into the shop and once again aimed for a rifle at Dean, who of course was terrified and crying, begging Ryan not to kill her. Ignoring the woman's pleas, Ryan pulled the trigger but no bullet was fired. He tried pulling the trigger twice more, but both times the rifle failed to fire. After failing to kill Dean, Ryan left her and returned once more to his car, driving to his next destination. Once Ryan had left, Dean called both her husband and the police, but the police had already been called by the customer that Dean had previously served. Afterwards, he doused the house in petrol before walking out with supplies, which were packed military clothing, a large amount of ammunition and a first aid kit. He also had several different firearms, a Beretta 9mm semi-automatic pistol, an M1 carbine semi-automatic assault rifle and a Kalashnikov AK-47 rifle loaded with armour-piercing bullets. As he walked out of his house, Ryan saw his neighbours, a married couple called Roland and Sheila Mason, wasting no time before shooting them, both dying instantly. After killing the couple, Ryan spotted his frightened neighbour peering through her window, and the now dead couple so he aimed his gun and pulled the trigger. Marjorie Jackson, the neighbour who was now injured, managed to call her husband Ivel, who was nearby working. While she hid and waited for help to arrive, Marjorie watched as Ryan jogged up and down the road, pulling the trigger at anything that dared to move. Except for children, which is odd. However, my theory is the reason as to why he didn't harm the children he encountered, such as Hannah and James, who were mentioned earlier, was due to the fact he worked as a caretaker in a school. 
One extremely lucky woman was a 77-year-old Dorothy Smith who had come outside and shouted at Michael, which, according to crimeinvestigation.co.uk, saying, quote, Is that you making that noise? You are frightening everybody to death. Stop it, you stupid bugger. End quote. But Michael did not shoot her, instead moving towards Hungerford Common. Michael Ryan's next victim was Lisa Mullendall, who was 14 when she was attacked. Ryan shot her, and when she was crouched on the ground, he then shot her four more times, in the legs and stomach, using her remaining strength to drag herself into her house where her mother saw her and she collapsed, straight away calling an ambulance. Lisa somehow managed to survive the attack. Kenneth Clements was on a walk with his family when Ryan suddenly appeared and shot him a single time, killing him instantly. Kenneth's son Robert escaped via jumping over a fence which went into a neighbouring school, while the rest of their family ran for their lives. While this was going on, the Hungerford police was in pursuit of a mass murderer when a police helicopter spotted Ryan, telling the police on the ground to set up roadblocks to stop drivers from entering the area and encountering Ryan in fear of not knowing his next move. However, this was not successful because the police sent some drivers towards him. Roger, the police constable at the time, sped towards the danger zone of Southview, where Michael Ryan shot up a patrol car, not one, not two, but 23 times, the police constable sadly dying due to being hit by four of the 23 bullets. Ryan, using one of his semi-automatic guns, shot 11 rounds at a car that drove into the street, the car's occupants being Linda Chapman and her daughter Alison. Both of them were wounded by the bullets, but they survived. The bullets hit Linda in her shoulder and Alison in her thigh. However, Alison was left permanently disabled due to a bullet travelling up and into her lower back. 84-year-old Abdul Khan was mowing his back garden when he was approached by Michael Ryan, who shot him three times. Abdul later dying due to the wounds he sustained in the attack. Ryan immediately turned to Alan Liberty, who had heard about the shooting where he lived, so he tried to hurry home to check on his family, but was stopped by Ryan, who shot him once in the arm and once in the back. Unlike Abdul, Alan survived. An ambulance had now arrived on scene, but Ryan was ready. He aimed his gun and shot at the ambulance. The ambulance's windscreen shattering on impact. Due to the now broken glass, ambulance worker Hazel Hasler was injured in the arm and leg. The driver, Linda Bright, went into a fight or flight mode and put the ambulance in reverse and retreated. Due to fire engine access being blocked, the fire that Michael Ryan had started in his home had spread into three neighbouring houses. Of course, people were terrified and wanted to get to their families to see if they were safe. Marjorie, who Ryan had aimed his gun at, called her husband Ivor Jackson, who was in a car with his colleague, George White driving him home so Ivor could see if his wife was okay. However, the pair of them came across Ryan, who was still on a rampage, and fired 11 bullets at the car. Three of the bullets hit an Ivor in the chest and once in the head, his colleague being shot at as well. The two of them dying as they crashed into the police car Ryan had littered with bullets earlier in the case. Ivor survived the shooting by playing dead and was found by Michael Ryan's mum, Dorothy, when she returned home from shopping. She ran up the road seeing nothing but destruction, houses on fire and bodies littering the neighbourhood. 
Dorothy saw her son Michael, realising it was him behind the massacre, telling him to stop and asking him why he was doing this. Instead of replying, he shot his mother twice in the stomach and once in her leg. Dorothy, of course, fallen to the ground. Walking up to his mother, holding the gun four inches from her, he did the final blow and shot his mother two times in the back, his mother dying by her own son's hand. The police, of course, were still on the case, all of their resources being used to try and stop Ryan. However, the police officers that were on scene couldn't do anything to stop him, as they were unarmed. The next person who was to encounter Ryan was 71-year-old Betty Tolliday, who had heard the gunshots but thought the noise was children being silly and playing with firecrackers, so she ran outside to tell the children to quieten down. But of course, the noise did not belong to children playing with firecrackers. Instead, it belonged to Ryan, who was killing the other residents of the neighbourhood. Ryan pulled the trigger of his gun, the bullet entering Betty's groin, smashing the top of her hip, part of her pelvis and fascistic nerves before exiting her body through her back. Somehow, Betty had the strength to drag herself back into the safety of her house and she survived. After Betty, Ryan's next victim was 26-year-old Francis Butler, who was walking his dog when Ryan saw him and shot him a few times in the groin and the leg. Ryan then walked past a young boy called Dean Lavisher, Thankfully not seeing him, instead firing at another boy that was making his way past on his bike. However, Ryan missed. Michael Ryan then decided to abandon his M1 carbine in the memorial gardens as he made his way through. Marcus Bernard, who was 30 years old, was on his way to visit both his wife and newborn son, who was in the local hospital. When he slowed down his car to see what was happening, resulting in Michael Ryan shooting him in the head, killing him instantly. Marcus Bernard never making it to see his wife and never getting the chance to see his newborn son grow up. As Ryan carried on walking, he shot and wounded a man and went to shoot the same man again, but the man was pulled to safety. However, this did not deter Ryan in the slightest, instead shooting both occupants of a car that was driving towards him. The car's occupants being Douglas Rainwright, who died due to one bullet hitting him in the chest and one in the head, and his wife Kathleen, who was wounded but did not die. Another car found its way into the neighbourhood, the driver John Storms, who was 49 when Ryan shot at him, resulting in a bursted tongue. The bullet magically missed John's spinal cord by 2mm. A nearby resident and local builder, Bob Barclay, ran out and dragged John from his car, somehow managing to half-crouch slash half-run with John into the safety of his garden, being the reason why John Storms survived the massacre. It was at this point Ruffer Press became aware of the massacre that was happening and did anything in their power to get a good story, including unethically entering the homes of the victims and getting in the way of a police helicopter, being one of the reasons why Ryan got away. Yet... Michael Ryan was oblivious to both the police and the press, going on his merry way and continuing his massacre. Eric Fardy, who was both a carpenter and a van driver for Norland Nursery College, who with his passenger Stephen Ball, was on their way to a builder's supplier. They were making their way up Terence Hill when the car windscreen was shattered by bullets. Eric Fardy being hit once in the torso and once under his chin, 
later dying of shock and a hemorrhage due to a bullet wound to his neck. Ryan then made his way into Priory Road, where he found 22-year-old Sandra Hill, who was driving in her car, minding her own business and blasting music. A single bullet was fired at her, killing her. After killing Sandra, Ryan crossed the street, blasting bullets everywhere, making his way towards 60 Priory Road, where the married couple Victor and Myrtle Gibbs lived. With his semi-automatic rifle, Ryan blasted open the door, as a way to protect his vulnerable wife, who was wheelchair-bound, Victor threw himself across her. Victor died instantly, whereas his wife, Myrtle, died later on in hospital. Using Forgive residence as a thought, Ryan began firing up the neighbouring houses, injuring a man at number 62 and a woman who lived at 67 Priory Road. The next victim was Ian Playle, who had brought his family, which consisted of his wife Elizabeth and their two children, Richard and Sarah, on a shopping trip to Hungerford. George Noon, who was 67 years old and standing in the garden of 109 Priory Road, which belonged to his son, when Ryan fired multiple bullets at him, one hitting George in the shoulder and one in the eye. Miraculously, he survived. A Priory Road resident by the name Bert Watley watched Ryan slowly walk, his head down into the John O'Gort Secondary School. The school was closed since it was for summer holidays, the same school Michael Ryan had attended more than a decade before the killings. The Chief Inspector sent Sergeant Paul Brightwell and a team of eight officers from the Tactical Firearms Unit to the school to investigate, completely unaware that this was the location of Michael Ryan. The Tactical Firearms Unit was armed with a .38 Smith and Ressons. However, their weapons were no match for Ryan's weaponry. It was four hours and 45 minutes after the police had been informed of Ryan, when he was finally spotted and found at one of the windows on the school's third floor at 26 minutes past five. Ryan disposed of his Kalinikov by throwing it out of the window, leaving himself with his 9mm Beretta and ammunition. Sergeant Paul Brightwell informed his officer that Hungerford was now safe, which meant ambulance and fire engines to move into the former danger zone. The police began to surround the school and tried to persuade Michael Ryan to surrender. Over the next 90 minutes, Paul Brightwell and Michael Ryan had a conversation where Ryan seemed quite calm and easy to talk to. Ryan even claiming to have a hand grenade that was of the Israeli fragmentation type, which of course worried for police. Throughout this conversation, Ryan kept on asking how his mum was, Brightwell saying he did not know but would find out, all while trying to convince Ryan to drop and leave his weapons and come outside. However, Ryan refused to do so until he was informed of his mother's condition, occasionally shouting things out of the window. He also asked if the police had found his M1 carbine gun along with its recording magazine due to the fact he did not want the children to find the gun and begin playing with it, resulting in them hurting themselves. After being silent for a while, Paul Brightwell heard a muffled shout coming from the classroom due to not being able to see directly into the classroom. They were unsure if Ryan had actually shot himself, so they flew the helicopter past the window but to no avail. So one of the members of the tactical firearms unit climbed onto the school roof and using a long pole which had a mirror attached to it, 
and looked into the classroom to see Michael Ryan huddled into the corner near the window, looking to be deceased. The rest of the tactical firearms unit entered the classroom, making sure Ryan hadn't booby-trapped himself with explosives, instead finding his Beretta pistol tied to his hand with a shoelace. It was confirmed that Michael Robert Ryan had fatally shot himself at 6.52pm on Wednesday 19th of August 1987, his cause of death being a single bullet to the head. The bullet passed through his skull and shattered his brain. In total, Michael Ryan killed 16 people and wounded 15 others. And that is where I'm going to end episode 5 of 18 Year Old's Guide to True Crime. If you wanted to suggest a case, send a voice message, which you can do via the Anchor website where I host this podcast or send an email to 18 year olds guide to true crime at gmail.com. Stay tuned for the next episode where I'll be talking about the case of the Vienna Strangler.